Welcome back to Guys Nation Wrestling Podcast. Here we are with the second half of our Helm Cell preview. But there's also another pay-per-view called uh, Bound for Glory, TNA's WrestleMania, so to speak. That just occurred this past Sunday. Uh, yep. And uh, honestly, not a lot of surprises there. And uh, if there were surprises, then uh, I think some of the people who are surprised by it are probably uh, not really seeing what's best for TNA. They're, they're probably just stuck in their ways. Um, but uh, had some interesting things go on, I guess, um, showing a, a interesting direction going forward. Um, we just heard AJ Styles' music. Um, he is now champion again. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was about a year ago or more that uh, he was involved in a match. And, John, if I, if I tell you that uh, a guy who was ranked number one in the PWI 500, AJ Styles, if I tell you that he loses a match in which they say this individual will not get another world championship match before Bound for Glory 2013... What do you immediately think is going to happen at Bound for Glory 2013? He'll get the match. Yep. So wasn't a surprise to me that he got the match. Wasn't a surprise to me that he won the match and won the championship. Um, you know, they they started a little angle where he's got some strife with the with the uh, front office. Now, what's the best comparable? I know he's been in TNA for a long time. I've only seen a few episodes. Uh, Personally, I'm one of these people that some wrestling fans hate that only watch WWE. Um, I watch occasional Ring of Honor. Uh, but So what's the comparable for AJ Styles to a WWE wrestler as far as you know his place in the company? Um, as far as his place in the company, he's he's like the franchise guy. Like he... So would he be the John Cena or would he be more like a Triple H? Where um, Triple H has never been like at that everybody loves him level, but he's very important. It's it's kind of tough to say. Um, he's probably more like um, he's probably more like CM Punk, to be quite okay. honest. <clears throat> All right. Where it's it's a lot of people like him. Um, a lot of people think he's the best in the company. He's usually highlighted, but even when he's not highlighted, he's in one of the uh, the top tier storylines. All right, that makes sense. Yep. Um, they haven't really utilized him all that well the past past year or so. Um, you know, he could have had some great matches. He could have been a great champion. But uh, so he gets the belt back. We don't have to go back and go too far into that. But uh, depending on what happens this week. Uh, Tomorrow night, actually, uh, they're gonna have a rematch, which you know, you know, I love that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now so, I notice, I noticed it says Chris Saban got the X division belt. Uh, wasn't he just the world champion? He was, and uh, they have an interesting thing there. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess. From what I've seen online, a lot of people uh, a lot of people don't like it, but some people think it's really kind of cool. Um, if you're the X Division champion, you can cash in that championship for 
a title match. It's not like Money in the Bank. You can you can hand the championship over to the authority figure, and they will book you a match for the world title. But essentially, it becomes vacant at that point. So he did that um, like a month or two ago. He ended up winning, and then shortly thereafter, he lost the belt probably like a month later. Um, so but, if you want a shortcut to be number one contender, then you just go after the X Division belt. Essentially, yeah. But they, they kind of build the X Division as, uh, you know, these young, exciting, um, agile guys who wrestle a different style. Right. So they always try and hype it up like it's uh, not a belt that just anybody could win. Um, for a while, the X Division title has been, you know, kind of considered more important than the world title down there. Um Gotcha. And uh, that that kind of goes with one of the things I wanted to mention. Um, a guy named Magnus, uh, who's never been anywhere else um, in the United States than TNA, and uh, Bobby Roode, another guy who's never been featured in WWE or Ring of Honor. Um, they beat uh, Sting and Kurt Angle, respectively. So I think that's a good direction. Because um, at this point, you can't really... Can't really have TNA banking on Sting and Kurt Angle to be their cornerstones. I think you kind of need to kind so, of move forward. So Angle's back already, huh? Yep. Yeah, he. Uh, I guess he got a DUI uh, not long ago, right? Yeah, that was like three or four months ago, maybe. Yeah. So they uh, they did a delayed uh, <clears throat> delayed suspension for that. I guess he he still worked a little bit, or maybe they just had tapings built up and. And then he took some time off. I can't remember what the storyline reason was, but but uh, so yeah. Well, I yeah, I just was... remember a lot of people were concerned and hoping he would take a lot of time off. But it sounds like he's already back. Yeah. Oh yeah. He didn't. Uh, he didn't take all the time off that he needed, and it's kind of frustrating to see. You know, I, occasionally I go to check to see what other people are thinking about uh, TNA. And a lot of people are saying, "Oh, thank God Kurt Angle's back," and you know. Uh, glad he's done with his rehab stint and uh, you know back to normal. And it's like, you know, I don't I don't know how many DUIs he's had, but it seems like uh, every time he does that, he gets like a month of rehab or six weeks of deha- rehab or three weeks of rehab, and then he's back, and everyone's like, oh great, he's back to normal. It looks like he's had about five, <laughs> which is absurd. Yeah. And uh, that one was on August second, so it's only been two and a half months. Right. That's not... I mean, if you're really trying to make a serious change, that's that's not going to do it. Yeah, and he's, he's... I don't know. I mean, he's obviously great on the mic, great in the ring, but at some point, you have to just say, look, this guy has to be enhancement talent, even if it's in the main event. You know? Yeah. Um, so I was, I was happy to see that. I half expected Kurt Angle to win his match and for Sting to win his match. Um... The only other thing that uh, that I really found of interest on Bound for Glory is that uh, former WWE superstar, I almost called him a competitor because he wasn't really a superstar, uh, Derek Bateman. Uh, he yeah. debuted. Kind of kind of awkward. They uh, they had him debut against a guy who doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, and everybody in the wrestling business has a Wikipedia page. Right. Um, and uh, and his story is the uh, he's the uh, the spoiled nephew of the owner for whatever right, that's Dixie worth. Carter. Yeah, 
Uh, I could see him playing that role. He's, uh, I liked him in NXT mostly just I, I thought he had good uh, acting chops because they were doing a lot of backstage almost drama scenes, you know, with like guys getting kidnapped and stuff. I mean, it was, it was interesting what they tried to do towards the end of that run. Right. Uh, and he seemed to have some knack for that. So, you know, if they want him to play a character that's got to act irrationally or something like that as a spoiled nephew, I could see him doing that. So I'm guessing that uh, even though you've seen him work and you, you think he's talented, I'm guessing you're probably not going to tune in to uh, – Thursday Night Impact just to see what he does, right? Correct. Okay. Um, but is... Going to have to bring more to the table than Derek Bateman. <laughs> right, 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 right. So if, uh, if I told you that uh, I had watched Impact and he did something interesting, is he even the type of guy that, uh, that you'd be like, all right, I'll give this a chance? Uh, not really. I mean... Okay. Kurt Angle is somebody I love, and right. I would watch anything he's done. And then I've and I've tried to watch what he's done with TNA, and it wasn't very good. So right. it's just kind yeah. of it. It makes it hard to trust anything when I see a guy that I knew was so damn good look crappy. Right. It's like, well, <laughs> how am I supposed to get sold on anything if Kurt Angle can't even look good? Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that's always fascinated me about TNA and and. Uh, brand loyalty that people have with WWE and, you know, TNA's production values and all that is, is you know, what, what does it take to get people interested in TNA? And, and, you know, at some point it's not just the guys that bring up nostalgia. It's not just Kurt Angle and Sting and Hulk Hogan that uh, show up there and people want to check it well, out. here's the thing. You see this on, this is an ongoing discussion all the time on, on forums and especially squared circle. And in my opinion, it just boils down to there's some guys and I believe you fit into this category that really enjoy the technical side of wrestling and you will watch anything. Yeah. You'll watch CZW. You'll watch new Japan. You'll watch anything you can get your hands on. And that's fine. Yeah. And you, you are the guys that are going to watch TNA. And then there's other people that, you know, they're just more of a casual observer. They like the, uh, the drama side of it just as much as the technical side, if not more. And that's that's what's going to keep them watching is if, you know, they get the full picture. And sometimes with those smaller companies, it's just it's too focused on technical wrestling, and a lot of people just don't get off on that. I mean, there's a million sports to watch. There's baseball, there's football, there's all sorts of other sports if you want to go for the technical side of something. Uh, Wrestling offers something beyond other sports with this whole drama stuff that they add into it. And I think that's some viewers are just naturally more inclined to watch it for that and to save their technical concerns for something like baseball. Right, right. And and I'm, I'm not surprised by your reaction. And honestly, I, I didn't think that uh, Derek Bateman was going to move the meter for anybody. And, uh, you know, it's very similar uh, to my uh, to my perspective on uh, football. I, I love the NFL. I watch about any NFL game that's on. I have my favorite team, of course. Um, but uh, when it comes to college football, I can't get into it because there's a certain type of attachment, there's a certain type of entertainment that I just, I can't really get into. And, you know, from that respect, it's because, you know, the players are always changing and, you know, you're going to have 
you know, guys leaving the team, you know, after two years or, you know, a year or two after they get relevant. And uh, so it's kind of frustrating from that perspective for me, but, I, you know, I still understand people love college football. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's an interesting comparison because I'm kind of the same way. Like, I'll watch any NFL game, and then when it comes to college, it's just it's really hard to keep my attention. And I, and I think part of it is obviously you need to have a team that you're pulling for. You know, right. we didn't go to a school that has a major college program that's going to be in the top ten every year. Right. Uh, but, you know, there's a difference in the fact that the NFL, all the teams kind of are at the same level. You know, even though people think, you know, Jacksonville would lose to Alabama or something, that's not true. I mean, they're they're still professionals. Yeah. Um, they can still hang with Denver for three quarters as they did. Oh, yeah. So there's a certain, it's like as if the floor is high in the NFL. You know, you never go below a certain point. And it's the same right. thing with WWE. I mean, even at their worst, their floor is still pretty high. Yeah. And then, obviously, you get that ceiling that is just beyond any other promotion and any other in the NFL. That ceiling is beyond college football. I mean, uh, a college, a great college football game happens what a couple times a year, right? Because the teams are just so uh, different. You know, you have one college that just has 500 scholarships, and then you got you know grambling or something that has two scholarships and they just get mopped up. Uh, if finally maybe sometimes in the bowl games you get a good match or a good a good game that you you think about and remember, but it's few and far between. You got to watch a lot of it to find that and that's kind of what happens with I think some of these other promotions is that while what you find on YouTube somebody recommends to you this classic match is great, if you watch the show, you're not going to see that. Right. You know, cuz it only happened one time out of the 20 shows they had. Right, and I, I think it's going to take um, someone who's good at the uh, characterization port, portion of uh, the business. I think it's going to take someone who is just as entertaining or more entertaining than, uh, say, Damian Sandow. Um, we're going to need somebody like that in TNA um, and get, you know, get people like you who are you know, interested in a lot of the drama to see something like that and to recommend it, but it has to be cool, has to be entertaining, and I haven't seen anything like that in TNA. Oh, well, it has uh, to be out, out of the box, too. I mean, you saw, yeah. you know, one of the ways that the federations got over on, you know, WWF and WCW got over on each other was by going outside the box uh, with WWF or with DX pulling up the tank, uh to the WCW show, you know, that's the kind of thing that makes news outside of wrestling fans. Right. Um, with them being in Times Square or wherever they were in New York and, like, you know, just talking to people and all that. Those are the kind of things that raise your eyebrow if you're a very, very casual fan. You say, oh, what are they doing? I want to see what's going on with this. But if it's just in the ring-cutting promos, it's it's been done a million times. You know, they got to get outside the box. Yeah, and I, I keep hoping that something like that's going to happen with TNA because... Now if they're touring, you know, they've got, you know, a, a world's worth of opportunity out there. Um, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to touch on this too much longer, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on it, and uh, and we'll see if anything pops up. But it's going to take something more than what they did with Aces and Eights to uh, move the meter, I think. Yeah, and and certainly Aces and Eights was something I heard of that did sound intriguing enough where I did check out a, a show or two. But so yeah, it's going to take a little bit. But we'll touch on TNA here and there going forward. Uh, we don't want to, you know, 
completely ignore it. <laughs> but uh, we got a big WWE pay-per-view coming up here with Hell in a Cell. Uh, they've, over the last couple weeks, kind of positioned Big E as, as a face now. Uh, he had this match with uh, CM Punk, and then Ryback and uh, and Paul Heyman basically called him a, what, like an amateur or something like that, rookie. Uh, and so he took exception and went after them, and now he's kind of repositioned as a face. Although, you know, he was always likable anyway. I mean, he's intimidating looking, but he's been on the mic a few times even when he was with Ziggler, and he was funny, you know. So right. you, could, you could tell that fans were probably going to start liking him. And he was a he was a face in NXT, believe it or not. So Yeah, and, and the uh, the booing that he would that he's drawn, you know, since he uh, debuted is more like they're booing because of who he's associated with and the actions that he does, not necessarily, you know, because of you know, that he's built up some kind of heelish nature. Yeah, and now it's his opportunity to build up his own persona. Now he did this cool thing in NXT that I hope he eventually does in WWE uh, where he would say he wants a five count right? Uh, instead of the three count, so he makes the ref count to five, uh, which I thought was, was pretty good. But uh, So he's set up here. I like this pairing because it brings some new blood. I just, I, you know, it's kind of hard to watch like Kofi go after the IC belt. I mean, I just, it doesn't do anything for me. Right. But, but Big E's think... a new face and I think the two of them worked together a few times, from what I recall, uh, before McGillicuddy got called up. So, yeah, and you know, I, I think part of the reason that uh, the idea of Kofi uh, challenging for the belt doesn't really do anything for you is uh, is because we've seen what Kofi's done with um, Intercontinental Championship or the United States Championship, and uh, you know, they they don't really build up. Many big storylines. They don't really build up many good feuds for him. So, uh, but and am I going to get excited when he wins it? I mean, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was it was halfway exciting when he won it. Um, I believe they did it on like main event or something. Somehow they spoiled it yeah. before it actually happened. It was like a year ago. Yeah, uh, that was somewhat exciting because it was a belt changing hands, not on Raw, but uh, yeah, I. I you can't envision a Kofi Reign as being something that's going to keep you tuning in. But, you know, in my opinion, I think if uh, if Big E gets this, I'll, I'll be excited. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's the direction that I hope they go at the pay-per-view. Um, I would really love to have a moment where Big E kind of explodes into the, into the mid-card because um, he's kind of been in the lower card so far and, you know, as an enhancement talent. Uh he certainly has some skills in the mic. He's got some skills in the ring. Uh, do you see them putting the belt on him? I mean, who who do you who are you predicting for this match? Um, yeah, I, I just wonder. I mean, I guess the question that's floating in my mind is, is it too quick? I mean, did they give enough of a build up to have the belt change hands? Uh, did he need to have a few more matches, maybe a pay per view match before this, before actually winning a belt? Uh, but, you know, and, and at the same time, I've also been predicting Axel to lose this for a while now. <laughs> so, I, you know, and I've been wrong every time. So I'm not really sure which direction to go. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and say Big E, because like I said, I, I keep feeling like the Axel story is run its course. Uh, and I think Big E would infuse 
a lot more intrigue into that. So I just I've got to go with that. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Big E. Um, I don't want to get too much into my other predictions, but uh, I'm just going to say that uh, it's not going to be a good night for Paul Heyman, and I would like to see this be part of a uh, of an overall thing where the world's kind of crashing down on on Paul. Um, and I think I think it does breathe new life into the uh, to the championship. I think it breathes new life into Curtis Axel by giving him a feuding partner. I think uh, I think the best times in history are where you have an Intercontinental Champion, where they have a feuding partner. I mean, you know, The Rock, Stone Cold, um, you know, Bret Hart had his rivals. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that's what's best for business, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, I'd, I'd like to see it. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think it's a good pairing. Like I said, I'm pretty sure they've worked together a few times. Um, you know, when NXT switched over to what they're doing now, uh, Curtis Axel was still down there as McGillicuddy. So they, they definitely have worked together. And, you know, Biggie's capable of putting on a good match. And he's an interesting guy being a big guy that can actually talk, you know. So yeah. I'd like to to see what they can do with him. I think he's got the potential of being a one-of-a-kind, essentially, you know, because most of those big guys just can't freaking talk. Yeah, already I've seen more from Big E than I ever saw from Bobby Lashley, and uh, he's already approaching what I've seen from uh, Batista, so... Yeah, yeah. All right, Uh, so now we also have the tag title match, which I'm kind of thinking is going to be the first on the main card. We'll see. Uh, But you know, they had this uh, number one contender match between the Shield and the Usos that basically got stopped. I don't know. How did that even get stopped on Raw? The no, roads I, came I, out? I don't remember. Um, I just remember that uh, it kind of it kind of felt awkward. It kind of felt forced. Um, yeah, that's that's what I remember too. And it was, I, I don't know, just, just something about it. Um, I actually have Raw playing in the background because I like to and kind of build up that atmosphere. Um, and it's actually at that part in the show where you've got the Usos and the Shield um, squaring off to see who gets the title shot to pay-per-view. And I think I think last week um, in our podcast, or maybe two weeks ago, um, you brought up the fact that the Usos were a number one contender, and I think you, you kind of speculated that something like this might happen, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it, you know, because it was weird that all of a sudden, there was a tag title match when they had actually designated a number one contender for the first time in forever. And then that number one contender wasn't involved in the tag title match. So right. it was kind of a loose end there. And I'd seen the Usos be retweeted by Cody Rhodes, who I've since unfollowed because he tweets too much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it seemed like they weren't forgetting about the fact that the Usos were number one contenders. And then, yeah, so I'm not too surprised that it's going to be a triple threat. Right. And um, we, saw, we saw them close it out with kind of the Usos and Rhodes looking at each other like all respectfully, you know, as the faces like to do with each other. So, I don't know. Yeah. I mean... I mean, it, it, I'm, I just saw the ending of the match, and it's kind of it was kind of a schmoz because you had the Rhodes family there at uh, ringside, and uh, you had some interaction between them and the Shield, and... Uh, and, you know, they all kind of, all hell broke loose, and everybody was fighting everybody, and I think that's kind of how they ended it. And 
You see yeah. Cody and uh, Goldust in the ring there looking at the Usos saying, oh, you guys want title shots? I don't know right, why right, I didn't right. think of that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, this is kind of an odd triple threat in the sense that you have two legit face teams. Um, I feel like you don't often have it that way. I think a lot of times it seems like it's two heels. But So uh, how do we how do we see this going? I mean... Obviously, the Shield have had the tag titles before. We like them as champions. I think they had a good reign. We haven't seen the Usos have the belts, but they've put on some good matches. They had a great match with the Shield at SummerSlam, I believe it was. And then, uh, yeah. And then, of course, you got the Rhodes, who now have their own theme, which was a mashup of Goldust and uh, Cody Rhodes' song. I don't know if you heard that. Uh, no, I, I. You're not, uh... you're not reacting with disdain, which means you probably didn't hear it. No, I didn't. Uh, it's I'm one of the. I'm weird. one of those that as, as soon as I see um, entrances happen, I kind of take a quick moment to uh, to do something else for a minute or two, and then uh, I wait until the opening bell rings. Rest assured, it's weird. They take Goldust music, and they put in like the Wah! singer on top of it, but without like the music from Cody's song. See, I don't know. Now that you're saying that it's weird, I think I think we might have to close the show with uh, with that theme song if yeah, we can sure. find it. But uh, but anyway, yeah. So I guess my point in bringing that up though is that this is potentially more than just a short pairing, right? If you're going to go through the trouble of giving them a theme song to come out together with, right? Uh, yeah, and, and my initial thought was that. Uh, the Rhodes family isn't isn't a pairing that you have to have together for too long. But now that you're telling me that they have a uh, a joint theme song, I kind of it, it actually does change my opinion on it. Um, to be quite honest. Yeah, that's that's what we do here. It uh, we discuss. Yep. So uh, you know, if uh, to make my prediction, I, I think a lot of times when you see triple threats like this. Um, they certainly did it with uh, the Miz and Wade Barrett and uh, whoever, you know, a few months back. Um, it it seems to me like the perfect opportunity to move the championships over to somebody, and not really take too much heat off of the people that they beat for the championships. Um, but they never pull the trigger. And in the interest of uh, trying to have another near perfect uh, predicting. Uh, pay-per-view. Um, I'm going to go with the Rhodes family to keep the belts. Yeah, I'm kind of seeing it that way, too. I mean, it's really hard to see, and and I almost feel like what they're doing with this triple threat is just getting the Usos out of the way. Um, giving them what they were, what they supposedly won legitimately was a tag title shot, uh, so here it is, and then you can go off and be gone. Because at Survivor Series we'll have something with the Shield and Rhodes probably. So, you know, I, I I keep wanting to see the Usos take the next step. I keep wanting to see them get uh, the championships, but uh, I'm really going to need to see more personality from them. The yeah. fact that after all this time, I still don't know which one is Jay and which one is Jimmy. Um, that's Just a problem. The tat, man, there's a chest tattoo on one of them. I, I don't know which one it is. Yeah, but that's, see the that's fact how the announcers tell the difference. The fact that you can't tell the difference... Well, it's, I've uh, never taken the time to learn it. I just don't care. Exactly, because it's just the Usos, right? Well, yeah. And they're not hot chicks like the Bellas. I took the time to figure out which one was which with them. Right, right. <laughs> Speaking of which, we've got AJ versus Bree. 
Now, interestingly enough, uh, Nikki on the um, Total Diva show, you know, she had this injury, and that's why she hasn't been wrestling. And she had talked about might not be able to wrestle anymore. She had all this rehab to go through. And then we see her wrestle on the show before the pay-per-view. That opens up the opportunity for Twin Magic, does it not? Uh, I guess a little bit, but uh, I think we talked a little bit offline. It's it's a little harder for them to do Twin Magic now. That, uh, this is that true. Uh, you'd, you'd probably have to have some sort of uh, wardrobe uh, assistance there. Yeah, Bree's going with the uh, slim skeletal look while Nikki's going with the junk in the trunk Kim Kardashian look. So yeah, it doesn't quite work the way it used to. And I think their hair colors are a little different too. But yeah, so I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that she wrestled because they made such a big deal of saying that she wouldn't again. But of course, it's Total Divas on E, so they make a big deal out of everything. Um, right. Like, uh, but anyways. Like Natty not getting a, a WrestleMania match. Right, right. Yeah, they got to right. figure out some way to have drama. Right. So, um, but anyway, you know what it what it also shows is that she's able to fight. Uh, you know, because AJ's going to have Tamina down there, and we know Tamina can fight. Oh, so absolutely. So maybe that neutralizes the Tamina threat, because Nikki's no longer just, you know, a sitting duck. But uh, so where do you see this going? We've had AJ as the title holder for a long time. Um, in my opinion, probably the best Steve's champion we've had in a while. I mean, I like oh, yeah. I like the fact that Caitlyn got it, uh, but she's not as well-rounded as AJ. Right. Uh, she's very believable as champion, even though she's small. You know, she's got a lot of moves, and her finisher's pretty awesome. So. Yeah, I'd say in some respects, uh, Caitlyn is better well-rounded physically. But uh, yeah, when you're sure. talking about <laughs> when you're talking about all the uh, all the aspects of uh, the wrestling business. Yeah, AJ is certainly one of the best Divas champions that they've had in quite a while. And uh, just the fact that it seems like uh, the Bella Twins keep getting the uh, the upper hand, I think they're going to keep the belt on AJ, and that's exactly what I would do. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does seem that way with the Bellas getting the upper hand. Um, and that's that's my initial vibe as well. Is that the the way that they structure these? Typically, getting the upper hand means you lose the pay per view. But I'm gonna go ahead with the upset here. I think I think this is one of those situations where Total Divas affects what they would normally do, um, and that she might get the win. Bree would get the win as kind of a big deal for the show, uh, and then you know probably a rematch at Survivor Series where she drops it again. So. Yeah. And I, I could certainly see that if uh, if it weren't for Total Divas, I would, you know, I would say that this is an easy one for AJ. But uh, yeah, just like you're mentioning, I think I think that certainly could weigh into it. I'll stick with my AJ pick, but uh, your 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 logic is sound. Right on. All right, so we've got a big match that we've talked a little bit about earlier. Uh, just an ongoing feud. So actually, in that sense, not that big of a match. But it's in a hell in a cell. You've got CM Punk taking on Ryback and Paul Heyman in a handicap. Uh, no special guest referee, I guess, for this one, unless Heyman pays off the ref. Um, so, I don't know. Hopefully, this is the culmination of their feud. But uh, I think earlier you were talking about this could be a bad 
night for Paul Heyman. So why don't you tell me what you think about this one? Well, I'm certainly hoping that this is the culmination of the feud. I, I, I still think you could have a little bit of an aftermath um, bleeding into uh, Survivor Series next month, even if uh, CM Punk wins, because it's all about CM Punk getting uh, some retribution on Paul Heyman, kind of beating him down. It doesn't even necessarily matter at this point if uh, Ryback defeats CM Punk, just so long as it doesn't happen where Paul Heyman has the upper hand at the end of the night. So what I'm predicting and what I'm hoping is that CM Punk will get the victory, will get whatever retribution he needs and whatever closure he needs to finish things out with Paul Heyman. And uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with him getting the victory because I'm predicting that, uh, that come Monday on Raw... Paul Heyman is going to be uh, in a bad place where uh, he's no longer the manager of the Intercontinental Champion. He lost to CM Punk at the pay-per-view. Ryback lost to CM Punk. And Paul Heyman got the beatdown. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if Paul Heyman was in a wheelchair and Ryback had to push him around? Oh, wait, they already did that. And then he just stood up. Right. Because uh, I feel like what is the ultimate... CM Punk getting what he wants. I mean, we know he can't murder Paul Heyman, right. but I mean, wouldn't him being an invalid or laid up in a hospital bed be the ideal? And they already kind of did that, and then just went away from it right away. I, I don't know. That just so I'm I'm trying to figure out what the heck is the payoff for CM Punk. No, and that's and that's a good question because. Uh... At the end of the day, how does CM Punk get closure if not from hitting Paul Heyman repeatedly with a uh, Singapore cane? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so... And then in that sense, even if, if Ryback somehow gets the win over CM Punk, Punk's not going to give up on it. So then the feud's not over. So right. the only way to end this feud is for CM Punk to win, in my opinion, because he's... You know, Ryback and Heyman are the only ones that are going to back down. Uh, I really hate this. I hate this feud. I hate this match. I want it to be <laughs> over with. Uh, so I'm picking CM Punk just because I want it to be over with. But, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing how WWE has perfected, perfected a lot of things. And one of the things they've perfected is uh, running a, um, an otherwise interesting feud into the ground to the point where we just want it to be over. Yeah, I mean, they could do some fun stuff, I think, potentially, you know, get Heyman climbing up the side of the cell or something, just get him in a position that he just has no business being in. You know, that could at least make it entertaining, but the feud itself has to die, and I know you like the whole Survivor Series thing where you potentially have teams between the two of them. Right. I'm not into it. <laughs> well, at, at this point, if it means that uh, things between Paul Heyman and CM Punk don't last into December then I'm totally fine with n with them not being involved at all at SummerSlam. Yeah. That's Survivor Series. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You said SummerSlam. I know. But that's I'm okay. Fine. They've been fighting since then anyway. It's easy to get that mixed up. Yeah. All right. Now we have one of the main events, potentially the final main events, even though it's called Hell in a Cell, the World Heavyweight Championship between Alberto Del Rio and John Cena. The returning triumphant hero, John Cena, uh, as we've had these wonderful montages of his 
Hustle, loyalty, and respect. Uh, his hard work and dedication. What a guy. Uh, I did like the little video, though, where they talked about his beginnings. At least that was kind of interesting with him being yeah. in the ring with Angle and Undertaker backstage and stuff. Yep. Almost like they knew he was going to be their guy already. But they yeah, made sure I mean, to get those. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that uh, that hype video was way better than the one where he counts counts how many days it's been since um, his surgery, and uh, he talks about when he gets to sweat again and lift weights, uh, throws that medicine ball over his head. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, how, I don't know how you can't love that, but uh, I'd rather get more to his wrestling career. So, admittedly, you know, as, as much as Cena's stale, we've seen him a million times, he does add kind of a big match feel to anything he's involved in. Um, so, as ADR has been a little stale, of the belt, he's basically been the world heavyweight champion for a year. I mean, even though other guys have held it, it felt like it's always been Alberto Del Rio. Uh, so, you know, this adds a little more interest rather than like an RVD where we knew he probably wasn't going to get the belt. You could potentially see John Cena winning this belt because uh, he's clearly a guy that's capable of it. Uh, we clearly see him being uh, someone that's above Del Rio in terms of the hierarchy. Uh, but you have an interesting uh, scenario here, I think, with Del Rio and his cross arm breaker and John Cena and his busted up tricep elbow area. Um, so I'm wondering if they use that as kind of the uh, the tool in the story. As I can't remember the term that they use for that in literary circles. But, yeah, so, I mean, it feels like that might be one direction they go if they wanted to get that read or get the win. Um, and, you know, but like I said, Cena's a legit contender here. I, where do you see this going? I mean, uh, do you have a strong feeling either way, or does this feel like more of a toss-up? Yeah, I feel like this is the opportunity where they are going to take the authority group, uh, Triple H and uh, whoever else might be pulling strings backstage. I think they are going to use this opportunity to start to include the World Heavyweight Championship in all of this. Um, it would seem like John Cena could come back and take the belt. Um, it would seem like... Uh, you know, Del Rio's reign has probably been subpar to a lot of people, myself included. But I feel like this is the opportunity where, uh, you know, John Cena is probably not going to tap out. I mean, that's not his style. But uh, they're certainly going to use the ring psychology of John Cena's elbow and the cross arm breaker and, you know, trying to weaken that and, you know, make that the target. Um but I feel like something's going to happen at the end of this match where you're not going to get a clean finish. You're going to get something that uh, that involves John Cena kind of getting screwed out of the opportunity to win it. And uh, I think Del Rio is going to retain the belt, and I think it's going to uh, pull John Cena into the, uh, the whole storyline with Triple H and the McMahons, and, uh, and he's going to continue to go after that championship from that perspective. Hmm. Okay, so they wouldn't want Cena to get the belt, basically. Yeah, because I think Dusty. I think it I think it was Vince at one point said, uh, you know, the only thing that uh, that he hates more than John Cena having the belt is the idea of Daniel Bryan getting the belt. That you know he didn't want either of them to have a have a belt. 
Okay, so you're thinking you're thinking it would be from the the authority, as you said, it would be Vince, and so he would be the one pulling the strings on this. Yeah, and I don't know that it would directly be Vince involved in the pay-per-view. I think right. uh, I think it could be Brad Maddox or Vicky Guerrero or somebody. But I think, you know, even if even if next week we find out that uh, Stephanie was involved in something, I think the opinion comes down from Vince ultimately that he didn't want John Cena to come come back and you know be a champion again that uh, that he sees something in Del Rio and even more than that he sees something in John Cena that he doesn't want to see back in the uh, title picture ooh man did I, I just know. did I just sway you or are you not feeling no. it at all no i just i have a really hard time seeing Vince come down and talk about Del Rio as as a prize i, I don't know that just I mean, the idea of there being a directive to change the outcome of this match is certainly well within play and well within the realm of possibility. I have a hard time seeing Vince... I can see him be against John Cena, of course, but to pick Alberto Del Rio as the guy he wants to go with, I don't know. I don't know. So, I really, I felt all along that this Cena coming back was for him to win the belt. Um, uh, to get some of that elevation out of it that we feel is missing. Right. Uh, because if he holds it for a bit and somebody takes it from him, that builds it up. Uh, you could also see a scenario where, you know, we might start seeing unification, uh, like the, the beginnings of that. I think the only way that was ever going to happen is if it's on the shoulder of somebody I've seen as stature. Right. Uh, because nobody would believe Del Rio up against like a Randy Orton, you know, if they're the two title holders, it's still Del Rio would still be a notch below. But if you get the belt on someone like Cena, he's clearly a WWE title worthy competitor, and so if you wanted to have a unification, uh, he's the right guy to have in that spot. So I feel like this is leading towards that. Maybe they don't take the step here. Uh, but for whatever reason, I kind of think, uh, as far as the fans go and wanting the fans to have a moment, that I think they're going to do this and they're just going to have Cena win and get that cheap pop that way. Well, and I, I'd be perfectly fine if that's what happens, um, because that would mean that uh, John Cena's less likely to get involved in things on Raw with the uh, WWE Championship, because what I don't need to see is Daniel Bryan to take a huge step back for CM Punk to be kept out of it, for Randy Orton to still be there, but to have uh, John Cena involved. I think uh, I think what we need is uh, some new life there um, in the uh, World Heavyweight Championship. I'm hoping John Cena brings life to it. Oh, and I think that's what this will do. This opens up new possibilities. Uh, if John Cena has it, then someone potentially like Punk would want to go after him. Um, whereas with Alberto Del Rio having it, his only opponents, you know, his opponents are much limited, limited set, much more limited set of guys that are believable. But I think as soon as you put it on Cena, you open up the entire main event scene to want to take a crack at it. So I think it'd be a way for them to, to give him more flexibility. And plus, we need a way for Damian Sandow to eventually cash in that uh, briefcase, right? Because absolutely, not only not only does he need to be in the main event scene at least a little bit, 
he needs to cash in because he's had it forever. And they're certainly slow playing us this time. I mean, last last pay per view, he got all sorts of mentions. He was on the pre-show, I think he was. Uh, and then now there's no Damian Sandow to, to be found, so maybe this is the uh, the slow play where we don't hear a peep about him and he shows up. I don't know. Well, should we uh, should we take it a step further and predict whether or not he's going to cash in? Uh, sure. I'd predict no. Yeah, I'll predict no also. But, I mean, it's not to say I won't be like Paul Heyman and erupt like a volcano. <laughs> Well, I'll go so far as to say that if I would have picked John Cena to win the belt, uh, that I would have predicted a cash-in. But, uh, but I'm not predicting it, so I won't. So that would be an interesting angle if you wanted to go with the authority picking someone. He could pick Sandow. Well, I would love to see uh, Vince McMahon. I believe McMahon that involved a lot more than him picking Alberto Del Rio. How, how great would it be for Vince McMahon to walk down to the ring wearing one of the uh, Damian Sandow robes over his suit, walking down to the ring with Damian Sandow and saying, like, you know, this guy has swagger too. I like this guy. You know, he is smarter than all of you. Like, why haven't you guys started cheering for Damian Sandow? Sure. You know? Like, uh, I think that that could be classic. The robe would be a nice touch. But, you know, just – but you can easily picture the two of them walking down in suits. Oh, I mean, sure. We've already seen Sandow looking dapper in a suit. Uh, he'd be the perfect Vince guy. Yeah. You know, this is this is the face of the company. Look at this guy. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and well spoken. He's well dressed. I I know I know I talked about uh, a guy masturbating earlier in the show, and uh, I'll I'll take a risk in mentioning this. I I can't decide whether or not I'd like to see Vince McMahon walking down with a robe over his suit. Or walking down to the ring with a robe on, and only, you know, a pair of short tights underneath it. Because I think both could be classic. But, yeah. Uh, well, or at least, or at least, uh, for what you see of his feet, underneath the robe, you know, you just see him in slippers or something. Yeah. And so you're the le- the mind is left to wander. Oh my God, is he freaking naked under that thing? Yeah. Well, I think I think Vince McMahon shown his ass enough with the. Uh, Kiss my ass, club. That, uh, sure. that he could certainly he could certainly take one for the team and uh, and only have something like that underneath the uh, the robe. But, uh, the pasty white ass. Yep. All right. Now we've got one final match that the authority could certainly be involved in. This is where the authority has been mentioned most. Right. And that is Randy Orton versus Daniel Bryan once again. The conclusion of the trilogy, the return of the king, WWE Hell in a Cell, Shawn Michaels, HBK, as your special guest referee. You've got split loyalties between Triple H. You've got Randy Orton trying to be intimidating. You've got Stephanie with her one of the principal owner power trips. A lot of different angles here. You've got the big show showing up out of nowhere with presumably some sort of backer that lets him into the show. But being in a cell, you got to think he's not going to be able to get inside that. Uh, so most of this is probably going to go down inside the cell, and we could see HBK playing a part. Do you have anywhere that you're leaning on this one? Yeah, as much as it pains me to say this, I'm afraid that uh, 
after all the many times that Daniel Bryan has gotten one over on Randy Orton. I feel like given the challengers that we have right now for that belt, I feel like it's going to be Randy Orton who walks away, the title no longer being in abeyance, and it's going to be Randy Orton that's holding the belt. Yeah. Uh, do you see it being clean victory? You know, I see something happening where Shawn Michaels wants it to be clean, and he ends up accidentally doing something to Daniel Bryan that costs him the opportunity to uh, have the advantage. I, I don't know whether it's going to be an accidental super kick where he thinks he's super kicking Randy Orton or whether he just kind of moves in the wrong direction and Daniel Bryan, run, Daniel Bryan runs into him. But I feel like we're going to have some sort of situation where Shawn Michaels leads to an opportunity inadvertently for Randy Orton, and Randy Orton pretty much has smooth sailing to the end. And uh, Randy Orton probably gives Daniel Bryan a little little extra beatdown, and uh, not only wins the match, wins the title, but uh, causes Daniel Bryan to be out for a month. Yeah, uh, I don't know about him being out for a month, but yeah, I definitely feel that this is leaning towards Randy Orton, because um, I think you know, despite all of the all the language that they use about face of the company and whether Daniel Bryan should be the face of the company and all that. I think I think legitimately they aren't ready to make him the face of the company. Uh, even though it doesn't really matter, I don't think most people see the champion as quote-unquote the face of the company. I mean, WWE itself is bigger than any of their stars at this point. Right. But, you know, I, it makes more sense to me that if they're going to have somebody hold the title, it's going to be Randy Orton, and that's what they've done. You know, Daniel Bryan only had the title for about 24 hours out of the last several months, even though he's won it twice. Right. Uh, Randy Orton actually held the thing for a month. So I see it going that direction again. I do see Daniel Bryan being removed from the scene somehow. Um, you know, I don't know if that means he eventually goes after Cena again in that situation. I don't know. But it, it certainly doesn't feel to me that Daniel Bryan's going to get yet another victory, you know, and another spotlight on him. I think yeah, he's got two two pretty big ones. They got taken away from him, whatever. And the third time will be the charm, and I don't know that it's going to be at Hell in a Cell. Right, and I think I think at this point we're we're certainly agreeing on the uh, main event. Uh, it almost seems like a good opportunity for a prop bet of sorts. Um, who would you say at this point is going to uh, have have the title match against Orton at uh, Survivor Series? Oh man, um, man! Uh, I wish I had some time to prepare for that. I, I don't know. I guess, I guess there's a possibility of Big Show. I don't know. Um, That's definitely the direction I'd go. Is uh, is Big Show at this point? Because, I mean, they're almost building him up to be as much of a rival to Randy Orton as Daniel Bryan is. Um, the only other possibility I can think of would be CM Punk because, yeah. you know, he's kind of been, well, CM Punk or John Cena. Because um, at this point, you know, those are kind of the, the three top guys aside from Daniel Bryan. Yeah, they're the only ones that would make sense. I think, 
I think you'd have to ask yourself whether or not Orton would get kind of a throwaway uh, title defense at the next pay-per-view. Yeah. Because then that wouldn't be somebody like Big Show. Um, and we saw when Punk had his title reign, he got several throwaway pay-per-views that, you know, where he went against Daniel Bryan. Nobody really thought Daniel Bryan would win. Yeah. And even I mean, when I he guess... went against Jericho, it didn't seem like he was going to win either. Yeah, I mean, I guess Dolph Ziggler could be a, a possibility then if yeah, looking for a throwaway. That kind of thing, I think, is certainly possible. Um, but yeah, I guess if I if if you were to lay odds, I think the Big Show would have the highest odds, um, or lowest, I guess, would be the way to say that. And then, right. um, then I'd say CM Punk and Daniel Bryan would be right there in the mix. I'm not sure which one I'd prefer to bet on. I don't think there's any possibility of Cena, at least not at the moment. I don't know that they'd have him just have one World Heavyweight title match and then immediately go into WWE title picture. I mean, I guess they've done that with Cena before, but... Yeah, but it would certainly be awkward. So. Yeah. Yeah. Any other uh, any other prop bets that you'd like to make on this pay-per-view? Right. Well, I think it was worth mentioning... I mean, I don't know about prop bets, but I think it was worth mentioning some other ideas for matches that are probably going to be scheduled. Oh, right on. Yeah, I know at one point uh, I had listed that out. I... Um, I almost felt like uh, you would have to have a R-Truth match. And, uh, hey, you sell your merchandise now, man. Yeah, well, he did a great job with that, rapping all about the uh, the merch stand. It was actually really good. I was impressed. Yeah, yeah, he did He did much better than I thought. You know, I always thought it was weird that, uh, you know, they brought him in and he's supposed to be this rapper and, you know, have all these skills and a great lyricist or whatever, and... Uh, He's got the same theme song for like five years, and it's just that uh, "What's Up" theme song, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's kind of kind of pathetic, but uh, I'm 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 predicting that uh, they'll throw our truth versus Dean Ambrose in there. That'd be nice. I could get behind that. Um, the two that jump out of me are Bray Wyatt and The Miz. I think they could potentially be set up on SmackDown. Oh, good call. Good call. And also Los Matadores versus Real Americans. I think that one could potentially be set up as well. Excellent. So who who would you see if if they added all three of those matches? Because we certainly have the opportunity for two or three of them to be added. Um, who who you got? R Truth or Dean Ambrose? You see any chance R Truth takes the belt? Nah. Nah, I don't either. Pr- pretty much throwaway. What about uh, what about Real Americans versus Los Matadores? I think Matadores would have to come out on top of that one. Yeah, certainly. Uh, their push. Yeah, they're they're getting a little bit of a push there. Um, I agree with you on that. And the third one being, um, what the Miz versus uh, Ray Wyatt. Yeah. So what what would you see happening there? Or you could have. Um, who was out there with the Miz the other day? You could potentially have a tag Miz match. And Kofi. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, either way, I kind of feel like you're still trying to push Bray Wyatt. Uh, I don't think it does anything for the Miz to have a victory. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. But, so, you know, I would have liked to have seen an actual feud flushed out. I mean, I, I guess they do a little bit on SmackDown, but at this point, like, the emphasis is so totally on Raw that they need to have a little bit of it on SmackDown. Uh, I mean, on Raw, if, if people want to actually get into it for a pay-per-view match right but uh, I think that wraps it up as we hear the uh, new Cody and Goldust theme 
Yeah. I mean, it sounds like Gold Dust music, but it's just the lyrics added on top is a little much. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a nice little touch though, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, they have matching ring attire coming up here in uh, the next couple weeks. I mean, this would be like putting you know Eddie Vedder on top of Beethoven's Fifth. It's just it was already a masterpiece. You don't need to add some uh, modern rock singer on top of it. I, I gotta admit, uh, Sound of uh, Beethoven with uh, Eddie Vedder, I would listen to that. Right. All right, well, that's it for us. GN Wrestling on Twitter, Guys Nation Wrestling on Facebook, and wrestling at guysnation.com is the email. Hell in the Shell, oh, Hell in the Cell on Sunday. Uh, hopefully, I'm correct on all my picks and you're incorrect on the ones we disagreed on. Oof. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that would not be good news for AJ or uh, Alberto Del Rio. Alright. Uh, you, you have some catching up to do after the last paper. So. Yeah, absolutely. Alright, man. Alright, till later.